Welcome in, Baylor fans. This is your new host, Travis Corley, and I am so excited to be hosting this season five of Please Bear With Me. First, I want to thank Scotty again for bringing me on and giving me the opportunity. I'm very excited to be taking over. I am going to be bringing a lot of enthusiasm, as you can already see, and optimism to this podcast. I am a Baylor grad 2014 in December, to be exact. So the the, the green and gold is running through me, guys. And what we're going to cover on this episode, we're going to go over the offensive and defensive schemes. And then Scotty's going to join me. And we're just going to go over the depth chart and gives you guys a good idea of what we're going to see on the field. So, for the first time this season, won't you please bear with me. Gotta love that intro song with a little bit of the Baylor fight song, with a little bit of techno. I mean, it is right on brand. Right on brand. And guys, where we are going to start is with that offense. And I'm going to give you guys kind of the scheme and the update of what we're going to see on offense. It's going to be completely different than any Baylor offense you've seen in the past 10 to to 20 years. So first, let's start with staff updates. We're bringing in Jeff Grimes, the new offensive coordinator from BYU, where he also was the offensive coordinator. Uh, We're also bringing in Eric Mateos, also from BYU. He was the offensive line coach there. Uh, Jeff Grimes was an offensive line coach at LSU from 2014 to 2017. Um, That overlapped a little bit with Aranda's time at LSU. But basically, I say that to say Grimes and Mateos they are bringing in a lot of offensive line experience and offensive line coaching experience. So we're also bringing in Chancey Stuckey, the new wide receiver coach from Clemson. He played at Clemson from 03 to 06. And then Sean Bell, he is finally being moved into that quarterback coaching position, his most natural coaching position. And if anyone knows this podcast, it knows that we love Sean Bell here on this podcast. Looking at last year's offensive numbers, I I, want to go over the numbers real quick just so you guys know just how bad we were. Okay, just how bad. So I'm going to give you our numbers, and then I'm going to give you BYU's offensive numbers just as a compare and contrast. So there are about 127 Division I teams. So here we go. We were ninth in the Big 12 in scoring offense, 100th in the nation with 23.3 points per game. BYU. They were third in the nation, scoring 43.5 points per game. We were ninth in the Big 12 in total offense. Okay, that's total yards per game. 310 yards per game. BYU averaged 522, which was sixth in the nation. Talk about rushing. We were 10th in the Big 12 in rushing. We averaged 90 yards per game rushing. Guys, there were four teams that we were better than in the whole nation at yards per game in rushing. BYU averaged 190 rushing yards per game. That was top 50 in the nation. Let's talk about passing. We were seventh in the Big 12 in passing offense, 219 yards per game. BYU, 332 yards per game. They were eighth in the nation there. And then let's look at yards per play. This is a pretty big stat as far as just success on offense. If you had to look at one stat, you could probably look at yards per play. Baylor, we averaged 4.44 yards per play. BYU averaged 7.84 yards per play, which was first in the nation. We were third to last in yards per play last year. (laughs) Like, that's so bad. So basically means, like, we had no explosive plays and we were really bad. So you look at BYU, they averaged three more yards per play and scored 20 more points every game than us. So the vision is there. Obviously, you can see that Grimes and Grimes can put together a successful offense. Okay, there's no doubt about that. 
So where did we struggle offensively? I mean, where did we not struggle offensively might be the better question. You know, I felt like we had no identity. I felt like half the time we had no idea what we were doing and we were lacking an offensive game plan. And then, you know, furthermore, our, our offensive line was the worst unit on the entire football team. I already, you know, I already said we only averaged 90 rushing yards per game, which is atrocious. You know, we, we just could not run the ball, which set up second and long, third and long, which made it even harder for our offense to find success. So it's kind of like a domino effect. You know, we, we didn't have a good offensive line, so we couldn't run the ball, which made it more difficult to pass, not to mention that Brewer's arm was, was suspect last year. So I already mentioned before, but I think a very, very good number to point to on offensive success is yards per play. We were bottom three in yards per play in the whole nation. That's, that's, that's really bad. So we, we just had no, no consistency. What will our offense look like? Okay, so Grimes, I, I, I first want to just give you this explanation of what Grimes uh, calls his offense because I absolutely love it. I, I, I love it. So he calls his philosophy an RVO. It's a re reliable and violent offense. He wants to play consistent, smart, mistake-free football. It's not a huge playbook. He wants to run relatively few plays at a high level of efficiency. And here's the direct quote that I, I absolutely love. We're an attacking multiple formation offense that runs a few plays a lot of ways with as much misdirection as anyone in the country. Wow. Man, if, if that does not get you excited about about our offense, I I don't know what will. That that's a great quote. I that that gives me goosebumps. That it excites me about the offense. Grimes runs a wide zone offense. Travis, what does this mean? Okay, I'm gonna tell you. The offensive line is going to have a zone blocking scheme. Okay, so in a man blocking scheme, an offensive lineman has a man to block who they're gonna identify pre-snap and you're going to want to push that defender backwards, okay? In a wide zone blocking scheme, you don't really have a specific man to block. Rather, the entire offensive line is going to move left or right at the snap. The offensive line will read the defense's alignment and movement and then they're going to find out who they need to block. So in a nutshell, in a nutshell, the man blocking scheme, you have a specific man you want to move backwards. In a wide zone blocking scheme, you read which man to take, you move them laterally, and you're almost just kind of getting in their way. And look, obviously there's a lot more to it than just getting in someone's way, but that's just kind of the easiest way that I can explain it. And best on our level of talent at offensive line, I think a zone blocking scheme is going to be much, much better suited for, for this offensive lineman. It, and it's going to take a little bit of time and some live reps, I think, for us to get used to it. But guys, I, I think this, this is the right move. So now you may ask, what is the difference between a wide zone and an inside zone? Well, an inside zone, the running back is going to want to run off of the hip of the guard, depending on which play the play goes. So it's going to go inside between the two guards somewhere. In a wide zone, the, the offensive line, like I said, they're going to move left or right. They're going to push their men laterally. And then, you know, the running back is going to have an opportunity to choose where he wants to go. And this is why I'm very, very excited about, about Squirrel Williams. Uh, I, I think this is the perfect offensive fit for him. He's so quick laterally and has such a great top end speed that if he can figure out the vision part, which I think he showed flashes of last year, he could really, really be dangerous. I mean, he, he's able to make people miss in the hole, which is, which is incredibly hard to do. Okay, so then let's talk about passing game. You know, where did those explosive plays come in? It's going to be play action and misdirection. Grimes wants the beginning of every single offensive play to look the same, like a wide zone run. Okay, that's going to help us disguise that play action and that misdirection. It doesn't matter what formation we are in. He's going to want it to look like a wide zone run. So guys, don't be shocked to see us in 12 personnel. What is 12 personnel? That is one running back and two tight ends. Do not be 
do not be shocked to see Sims and Dabney out there at, at the same time a lot, okay? Grimes loves to use the tight end as a pass catcher, so I, I would not be shocked to see Sims and Dabney out there at the same time a lot. We, but bottom line, guys, we, we've got to find some success on the ground. That is what's going to help us disguise our explosive plays and that play action, that mis misdirection, and, and make it much, much, much more effective. So, look, the, the offense is going to look a, a, a lot different. The formations we come out in are going to be a lot different. We might not put out four wide receivers in, in a set a lot. We're not going to do a lot of straight drop back passing. And, and I might uh, chart the first game and see how many of our passing plays were play action and straight drop back because I'm, I'm really interested in that. Um, so, hey, that's, that's kind of what the offense is going to look like. I'm excited about the way that it's moving. I think the offensive line zone blocking scheme is really, really going to help us improve. That being said, let's bring Scotty on now and we're going to talk through this offensive depth chart. All right, so let's welcome in Scotty Swingler. I feel a little weird welcoming you into uh, into the pod, honestly. Dude, I, I literally told someone today, I said, I'm making my first appearance as a guest on Please Bear With Me this afternoon. So That's amazing. It's That's funny, amazing. man, but I'm, I, I am so thankful that you're doing it again and, and uh, thankful to be part of it as I can, so. Yeah, well, hey, man, we're we're certainly glad to have you. And uh, we're just going to come out of the gates hot and talk about this quarterback battle. Come on. And uh, I'll just give you my thoughts here real quick. I think that both of these quarterbacks can be successful, and I think both both can win games. And when I say both, sorry, I mean Zeno and Bohannon. That, that's who I'm mainly talking about here. Um, there, there's no doubt that, that both of these guys have the physical tools that can win us games. And I also think that the offense is going to look a little bit different with Zeno at the helm than it would with, with Bohannon. So where, I, where I'm at right now is I think it's going to be Bohannon. And there's two big reasons why I think that. The first one is I think we're going to need a playmaker back there because of the offensive line. I, I don't know what we're going to get out of the offensive line. And so that, that may dictate who we have to put at the quarterback position to win games. So that's like the number one big reason. And kind of the second reason is I saw some improvement from Bohannon in that spring game. Um, his body. His physical body is a lot leaner. I think he's lost some, some weight. Um, and then there was a, he, he came in, I think one of his first or second throws, he made a throw to the wide side of the field, and I did not know he could make that throw. Uh, that was a throw that, that, that Brewer could not make last year and that we desperately need to make to, to win games. So those are the, my, my two big, big factors right there why I think it's going to be Bo Hannon. Do I think Zeno has a better arm? Probably. But where I'm at with Zeno is I just haven't noticed a change in his game over the last three years. Um, mm. that, that spring mm. game, he just looked the same. Right. He looked the same. I, I expected him to make a jump and, and look different, look a lot more confident. I think he lacked confidence. I, I think he lacked some mm. confidence. And uh, I just haven't seen that improvement from Zeno. So that, that's why I'm in the Bohannon camp. Dude, I'm with you, and, and I'm with you, first of all, on, on the fact that as much as the coaching staff wants you to think this is a three-horse race, it's not. Uh, I, I like Shapin a lot. He is not in this race. It, Me too. It is, I, I like him it a lot, is too. A, it is a two-horse race, so you're right about that. Um, I'm with you. I think I feel a little more strongly about it than you do. Um, you know, I, I think I've always kind of had a bias towards Bohannon, so I'll, I'll, I'll start my comments with that. But, okay, so... All reports out of camp are that it's that it's close. And if it's close, I think first of all you go with the athlete who gives you more options on offense and and that you know Bohannon clearly does that with his ability to run with the football. And secondly, I think you do I think if it's really that close, if it's really that close, you you seniority factors into it. It it just does. Like like the guy that's been in the locker room longer um that has to factor into it. I would agree with everything you said in, in terms of um, why Bohannon should get the job, but I'd even go as far as to say not only has Zeno not improved, um, 
I don't think he's got a better arm than Gary Bohannon. Okay. I haven't seen I I haven't seen the evidence of it. Um, you know, he made he is still riding on uh, good ground with fans on two throws he made in one game. And one of those throws, they were both great throws. One of them was only about 15 yards down the field. Yeah. Yeah. So, um you know, and in the spring, and that was what shocked me. And I said this when I published my last episode this past spring. What shocked me about Zeno in the spring game was he threw some ducks, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, wasn't setting his feet and short armed a couple of deep balls. One to Thornton, I think, was the most egregious one on a post route. Short armed some deep balls. And you can't do that. Coming off of Charlie Brewer, if you're trying to get a guy that can do what Brewer couldn't, which is what you said. Uh, maybe throw the ball further downfield, get it to the wide side of the field, a little more dynamic in the passing game. I'm not seeing it from Zeno. I'm not. And and we haven't seen a lot, and you can't just base everything on a spring game. Uh, but short-arming throws and throwing interceptions in a spring game is just not does not inspire confidence. And I think you hit the nail on the head, my friend. I think this is the most important thing. Between the ears... I think Bohannon's got it going on, and Zeno right now does yeah. not. Uh, yeah, that's part of the, that's part of what's good about a quarterback competition, right? Is um, if if a guy's intimidated by that, um, you don't want him to be your starting quarterback in the Big Twelve, right? And I was so shocked that Bohannon even stayed on campus, right? Because I think the the presumption going into the spring was, oh, it's Zeno's job to lose, especially after the way that like the last couple of games played out last season. Um, but not only did Bohannon like say, I'm going into this competition, I can win it, but he has looked more confident and more comfortable and more poised the entire way. And uh, sure. I think I, you put him out there on a fr- pretty short leash. He knows that there's two good quarterbacks behind him. And I think I think he he has the most tools, we'll say it that way, to succeed. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to your point about uh, Zeno sh- short arming, I think it was Thornton. He was in the spring game wide open I mean wide open and he was short at least five yards on the throw and and I've been in the Zeno camp for a long time I've I've been a backer of Zeno and that was the first moment where I was like whoa that has got to be a touchdown 10 times out of 10 it it has to be um so just to kind of wrap that up I I, you know looks like me and you are kind of leaning towards that Bohannon uh starting and like I didn't really expect Aranda to name a starter prior prior to the season he is on record saying that they want to have their guy for week one. But I, I'm i not sure whoever starts week one is like the starter in week eight. I, I'm just not sure. sure. I, I just don't. I re, Nobody knows how this season's going to go. So, you know, if if Bohannon goes out there week one, he he may not be the starter week eight. Who knows? Listen, there it, were, it may be vice versa. So there, there were fans that were pissed that Aranda wouldn't move off Brewer halfway through the season last year. Um and so I would agree with you. I, I think Brewer only had, I think, that luxury because of his history. Mm-hmm. None of these guys have history. And so, yeah, if they struggle for two or three weeks in a row, even maybe even in the middle of, like, one big game, uh, I think it's going to be a quick trigger to go to the next guy. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's move on to the wide receiver group. Obviously, we've got Tyquan Thornton coming back. We've got R.J. Sneed coming back. You know, Thornton had a little bit quiet of a year last year just with injuries and with our offense being so bad. So I'm expecting a pretty big year here from Thornton. Sneed, I mean, he's going to ball out. We we all know Sneed's going to ball out. He was our leading receiver last year. I mean, he had three or four catches last year where I'm just like, how, how, how? Um, so then we, we look in there to the slot. Most likely going to be Josh Fleeks in the slot. Um, but Drew Estrada. Don't sleep on Drew, man. Yes, do not sleep on Drew. His route running is amazing. He's an amazing route runner. He's got some good speed too. So, I mean, look for Grimes to really use Fleeks and Estrada in sweeps and in the slot. I think we're going to get a lot of good stuff uh, out of Fleeks and Estrada. What say you? This is the deepest position on the team. Um, and honestly, there, there's some other good positions, especially w- with your starters. Uh, people are going to want to talk about linebacker with uh, Bernard and Petrie. Um, but this is the deepest position on the team. You, you are really three deep with guys that would start at a lot of schools. I mean, I, I really believe that about our receiving core. Um, a guy you didn't name, Jalen Ellis, I yep, think has yep. the potential 
in the long haul to be the best receiver on this football team. Maybe not this season, but by next season, I, th- I think that guy is just KD cannon level, like take the top off a of defense. Um, and last year didn't really get to do that with, with limitations at quarterback. Yeah. And uh, yeah. so, uh, you know, and then I think th- what's so exciting about this receiving group, bro, you've got some seniors there that have something to prove. I mean, if, if, wide receiver is the deepest position probably in America right now, especially jumping to the NFL. You've just every year you've got 15 guys drafted that could go be star receivers in the NFL. If Thornton and Snead in particular want to, to make the league and make some money, they've got to go ball out this year. Like they've got to prove that they can be a number one or a number two guy in the NFL. So they're going to be extra motivated. Fleeks and Estrada in the slot is just, bountiful wealth of glory i mean uh, you know and i think fleeks is going to be more of your versatile like kind of like almost like a scat back at times and and sweeps guy estrada is going to be your your downfield route runner and then gavin holmes has played outstanding when he's had the opportunity and he's in there still i mean you you are loaded i've been waiting on jackson gleason to break out since we've recruited him i mean the talent level at receivers through the roof and uh I, i don't mean to screw up your plan here uh because maybe we'll transition to this position group in a minute, but your best receiver on the football team might be your starting tight end. Yeah, I that's mean, where we're heading next. So go so, ahead. Go uh, ahead. Yeah. So I was, you know, I think my one of the very, very few bright spots last year was watching Ben Sims grow into mm-hmm. a really, mm-hmm. really great. I mean, I don't remember the last time Baylor had a legitimately great tight end. And and people Laquan McGowan? No. <laughs> no, he was a gadget guy. Okay. I'm talking legitimately great. Like, like Ben Sims has, can do everything you need a tight end to do. And I, I am uh, really excited to see him continue to develop. And that's, what's exciting about these quarterbacks is, you know, they say, if you don't have the quarterback, you've got no quarterback. And I have that fear, right? I have that fear. I'm a little concerned that not one quarterback has just outright won the job yet. Yeah. Um, yeah. But whichever quarterback steps in there, you have a wealth, a wealth of weapons to throw to, um, and I think we are, you know, three deep at every receiver position. We're three deep at that tight end position with Henley and Dabney also have shown they can make plays. But Ben Sims, man, don't sleep. Ben Sims could have 800 yards, 10 touchdowns, easy this year. I think he could, I think he could lead us in receiving touchdowns for sure. Yeah. I, that would not shock me at no all. Doubt. Not shock me at all. So, yeah. Uh, what One other receiver I'll throw in there, Hal Presley. Uh, transfers from Auburn, right? Is Auburn, right? So he was originally a Baylor recruit, decided, uh, flipped to Auburn there, and then he's coming back to Waco here. So he, he may get some playing time too. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, that tight end group, man, I'm, I'm really excited about Ben Sims. I'm really excited about the type of offense we're running. I think it's going to be perfect for him. And yeah, what, I would say one of those offensive players a lot of people haven't heard about that I think that could have a breakout, somewhat of a breakout year is Drake Dabney. Oh, yeah. Um, Great size, great athleticism, right there with Ben Sims. So I'm really excited about the tight end group for sure. We kind of overused the word freak when probably the most in the Bryles era. Like that guy's right. a freak. Dabney's a freak. Like yeah, he's he's bro's awesome. a monster. Yeah, uh, he's awesome. He's going to see the field for sure. I mean, Dabney Dabney is is what the NFL is looking for in their tight ends right now. Can run, can get to the ball, big. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um. All right, running backs, running back room. Another position where we're where we're deep, we're we're deep in that running back room, and and I'll run through them here. I think I think we're gonna have three guys that get a lot of touches this year. It's gonna be Tristan Ebner, you know, likely gonna start at the beginning of the year. He's gonna return the uh, punt returns as well. Um, but then we've got Abram Smith. He switched over from the linebacker position. He did play running back in high sp- in high school. I've been very very impressed with his spring with his spring game. He's just so decisive so downhill and he makes that first cut and he goes and he he sees the hole he wants to hit and he goes and that is what is crucial in this um in this wide zone offense is you got to find your spot and you you got to go cuz it's not predetermined where you're going to go you got to find your hole um and then that third that third player kind of a big question mark here is uh Craig Squirrel Williams uh we just don't know his health and I've been looking for more stuff to get a, like, a update on that. And I can't get a really clear update, I feel like. But I, I think he's going to be okay. I, I really do think he's going to be okay. But will he be his former self? We don't know. If he is, he could lead us in rushing this year e- easily. If he's back to his normal self, 
I, I think he needs to get, you know, 10 to 15 carries a game. I really do. And here, here's where I'll end it. And this is kind of my hot take in, uh, on the running backs and, and on the offensive side is Tristan Ebner only needs like five to 10 touches a game. And I'm not saying rushes. I, I, I think that Abram and Craig are way better uh, handing the ball off to. And so I think Abram and, Abram and Craig, we need to give them 10 to 15 carries a game. And then Ebner, maybe five carries and like uh, th- three catches, four receptions, something like that. So I just am not a huge fan of just a straight handoff to Tristan Ebner. No, that's fair. I'll respond to that first and then I'll, I'll, yeah, look, at yeah. the, I'll look at these guys. I think Ebner's usage, um, he, he has never been the best running back at any point on a football team. But he he may be one of the one of the best, if not the best, weapons on a football team, right? And so I think he's going to return punts. Uh, he and Estrada are going to be the two guys that look to do that. He, he'll return kicks. Um, I think you have to use him in the passing game, dude. And if that means that, if that means he gets more than eight to ten touches a couple games, like I'm cool with that. But I think that's his value. He's a third down back. He, that's I mean, in the traditional role kind of way of looking at it, he's a third down back. You want him in there on third down because he uh, is an outstanding yeah. route runner, great hands, and dynamic in space. Dynamic in space. Um, but I'd agree with you that some of those other guys are better at running downhill. Man, I'll even say this. I'm looking at our roster. We've got seven running backs that can ball. Oh yeah, I we've mean, got, there's there's some that I didn't mention that are. We, we've got seven that can ball. Okay, so um, Abram coming to running back really really makes sense with this offense. He's looked outstanding. I I uh, you know when he came in, that's what he was so highly touted for was playing running back, filled in at linebacker because there was a lack of depth there. But I think uh, I think he's got to be your your workhorse at least to start the season. Um, the body, the athleticism, um, the seniority experience, like all of it. Um, squirrel, dude, what, what can you say? How many athletes do you see come through programs that are just so dynamic and can't get a break mm-hmm. and stay healthy? Mm-hmm. Um, bro is the most like purely quick twitch talented back we've had since Lake Seas drunk. And there's no question about it. Like, can make anybody miss, turn on a dime, and just can't stay healthy. We we will hope and pray we get some squirrel. He's the guy that I would say he needs. I, I would actually disagree with you. Maybe I think he needs five touches a game. Like I I don't. He's he's listed at five eight one seventy three. Um, dude, he's got to be your change of pace. Your change of pace guy. I think you lean into Abram Smith, and honestly, you lean into a guy like Tay McWilliams or Quaylen Jones to kind of be your your workhorse between the tackles, and then you've got almost Ebner um, as your as your you know pass catching back, and Williams as your change of pace speed back. I think that's just an outstanding core. I want to talk about Jordan Jenkins. I I hope Jordan Jenkins doesn't have to play this year because that would pro that would mean we had another five or six injuries at running back like we did last season. Um, but I watched a lot of Jordan Jenkins last year when he was a senior at Lindale uh, because El Campo at one point was projected to play Lindale in the semifinals um, of the playoffs. Jordan Jenkins is going to be an outstanding college running back. Uh, so for those of you who have not watched his high school tape or have not followed recruiting very closely, uh, we, we hope he gets a red shirt this year so he gets a little more eligibility and doesn't have to play. But uh, I just want to start the hype train now. In a couple years, Jordan Jenkins is going to be a dude. I mean, dude can really play football. I'll jump on that train too, for sure. I'll, I'll jump on that train any day. Um, so who, who leads the Bears in rushing this year? I've got Abram Smith. I think that's a good pick. I, I think that's a good pick. Um, I If I had to just put money on it today, I'd probably agree with you. It, it's my cop-out answer that's the, also the most true answer is it's whoever stays healthy. Yeah. It would not surprise me if it was Smith, if it was Tay McWilliams, if it was – if it was Ebner, if it was Quaylen Jones, um, all those guys. Uh, but I say Abram Smith is your best bet. Yeah, yep. I think they've all got the potential for sure. Um, all right, let's finish up here with that offensive line, man. Um, wow, just what what can we say? Um, just turn the page. <laughs> let's turn the page. Um, man, we, we've got Connor Galvin at left tackle. I think that's what we all know for sure. Um, and after and that, thank, thank goodness we've got one. Rock. Oh man, yeah. like someone we can count on, like at least one, like geez. Um, and I'll just kind of go through who I think it's going to be. Like, so we got Galvin there at left tackle. I've been hearing lots of good things about Micah Mazuka. Me too. 
yeah. coming in at left guard. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking it's going to be Galvin left tackle, left guard, Mazuka. We've got Jacob Gall coming in from Buffalo. Yep. They ran the wide zone offense at Buffalo. Um, yep. I think he's going to start at center. Um, yep. And then moving on to right guard, we've got another transfer in Grant Miller from Vanderbilt. Yep. Um, I think that he'll end up uh, being that starter. I've also heard uh, maybe Xavier Newman-Johnson at center and Jacob Gall at right guard. I I, I don't know, though. We I really don't. And the biggest question mark is right tackle. We, we have got to find a solid option at right tackle. It's either going to be Casey Phillips, Gavin Byers, or Elijah Ellis. And I'm, I just have no idea. That's our biggest question mark for sure. You're going to see like 12 offensive linemen get in these first couple of games. Um, I don't know if we're I still, so. I don't know if we're still going to talk through the schedule a little later, but I think that's, that's one of the, one of the best things about this schedule um, this season. And, you know, COVID last year screwed up so much of our early season development um, against, you know, Texas state and Texas Southern um, all those guys are going to platoon in and out. And, and that is where you're going to find out who your dudes are um, and who those other four are, because I think you're right. Galvin is your only guarantee. Um, and he's a beast. He's a stud. Like he's a, he's a great college, college, college lineman. Um, you know, I, I have a really hard time just believing they're going to, it's going to be a good unit until I see. Um, it is always a little depressing when grad transfers come in and never can even hit the field. So let's, let's hope that, let's hope that Gall and Miller uh, can, can play um and and you know benefit uh the the group um but i still think this is going to be a big area of weakness for the team yeah and you already pointed out that's another reason i think bohannon is is a safer option from day one to be the quarterback um i don't know how well this group's going to be able to protect what you do hope is that the running game will greatly improve simply by the scheme uh, you know, uh, th- I think that's the biggest benefit you're going to see right away from the grime scheme and um, and having a new offensive line coach is uh, it is a much simpler blocking scheme that leaves a lot of options for talented running backs to just find a hole and go. Um, and I think I think that is going to be a huge benefit right out out of the gate. And um, who knows, maybe that gives this offensive line some confidence and 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 they really improve. But yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I agree with you more. But I think, yeah, like you like you pointed out, there's there's really no telling who's going to start at what spot at this point <laughs> knows, outside man. of left tackle. Nobody knows. They're they're not letting us know. They're rotating a lot of guys no. in and out in practice. They so, probably don't even know. Then they don't. I mean, <laughs> and and that's fine. And, you know, that's fine. Let's, and that is fine. Yeah, that's that's what the first two games uh, are for. Because well, we're, I would tell you we're playing Kansas Thurs for the first three games are for. Yeah, like, yeah. But yeah. you know, September 25th, you've got Iowa State at home. At that point, you need to know who's your five. Um, and you need to have them out there. So yeah, for sure, for sure. Let's switch gears now and let's talk about that defense. Similarly to what we did with the offense, I'm going to go over the numbers and just kind of give you what it's going to look like. This year, we are returning 10 starters, which is awesome. Uh, Fifth in total defense in the Big 12, we allowed 383 yards per game. Seventh in scoring defense in the Big 12, allowed 29.2 points per game. Eighth in rushing defense in the Big 12, allowed 180 yards per game rushing. And then second in passing defense, though, pretty good there, allowed 203 yards per game in the air. That was 30th nationally actually. So what will our defense look like this year? Aranda wants to play our base defense much, much better and live out of that. And what is our base defense? So the philosophy behind this base defense is to create hesitation. He wants to fill the inside running gaps and make the running back hesitate. This is going to allow more of our defensive players to fill in and help tackle. Okay. So similarly with the quarterback, He wants the quarterback to hesitate. He wants to make the quarterback go to his second and third reads. Make the quarterback put his eyes down and hesitate. All right, so that's kind of what he wants to create, the philosophy. So what will it look like? We're going to be in a tight front on base downs. Okay, tight, T-I-T-E. Base downs are going to be like first and 10, second and seven, something where, you know, it's, it's likely going to be a running play. So 
a tight front is going to have a nose tackle lined up directly in front of the center. And boy, do we have ourselves a very, very good nose tackle this year that Scotty and I will speak about later. So we'll have a nose tackle directly in front of the center. We'll have both defensive ends playing a four-eye technique. And stay with me here, guys. A four-eye technique, it just means that the defensive end's head is going to be in front of the offensive tackle's inside shoulder. Okay, so just inside the offensive tackles where our defensive ends are going to play. So you can imagine we've got a guy right in the middle and then two guys just kind of right next to him inside the tackles, uh, you know, blocking up that middle and, and, and making it hard to, to go up the middle. So the, the defensive ends, they're going to attack the B gaps right where they're lined up between the guard and the tackle. The nose tackle, he is going to attack the center and a guard, and he's going to try to take on a double team. So this is going to leave one of our inside linebackers, Doyle and Bernard. It's going to leave one of them one-on-one -on -one with an offensive guard. And then the other is going to be free to track the running back side to side and make a tackle. Our, our, our base defense, it is built to stop the run. And like I said, create hesitation. And where were our weaknesses last year on defense? It was, it was the rushing defense, um, you know, especially up the middle. I think our defensive line was young. It fought injuries last year, but this year we should have a healthy and deep group. And guys, Siaki Aika, right there at nose tackle, we're, we're going to talk about him here very soon, is massive, absolutely massive addition to this defense, f literally and figuratively. So I, I expect a big improvement from our rush defense and, and our quarterback pressure as well. You know, our passing defense was great last year, second in the Big 12. Our secondary is experienced, upperclassmen, and the, the improvement of our rush defense and QB pressure is, is only going to help our secondary. So how good can we be? I mean, the, the sky is the limit, guys. I, I really believe that. We have NFL talent at all three levels of this defense, defensive line, linebacker, defensive back. We didn't have spring football last year, and still we were a top 50 defense in total defense. You know, this year we get in-person spring football. We're bringing back nearly every player on that defensive side. And I, I mean, I think if we stay healthy, if we can find some consistency on the defensive line, which I think we will do, and our offense can be at least a little bit average and, and stay on the field a little bit longer. Look, we're, we're going to have a top 15 to 20 defense by, by the end of this year. There's no doubt about that. We have all, we have all the talent to, to make that happen. So defensively, I mean, we're looking awesome this year and, and I'm excited to see what happens, happens on that side of the ball. So with that being said, here, here's Scotty and I talking about the defensive depth chart. All right, let's move over to that defense and let's start where Coach Aranda starts his defense and that's at the nose tackle position. Everything falls behind the nose tackle position and Coach Aranda's defense. And guys, we may have gotten the best transfer available. In the country. In the country, at any position. Yep. At any position. I totally agree. Siak Siaka Aika. Apu. I believe, I believe it's Aika. I hope I'm saying that wrong. I, I, excuse me, I hope I'm saying that right. Um, nicknamed Apu. So we're just going to call him Apu from, from here on out. Heck He's yeah. a transfer from LSU. He played for Aranda on the 19 national championship team. So he already knows the defense. He already knows what he's doing. He's 6'4", 350. 6'4", 350. But I'm telling you, he moves like he's 275. Here's the comparison. Because Baylor's had a lot of great DTs over the past 15 years. This guy's almost Phil Taylor big with Andrew Billings mobility. Like, that's that's the kind of guy we're getting here. Phil Taylor big with Andrew Billings mobility and and strength. So, yeah, I mean, this this is the most exciting piece for me. Because for sure, our, me our defensive line was not great last year. And our defense was outstanding last year. So now you shore up. It's still not going to be a perfect unit um, across the entire defensive line. 
but you you fill in that most important position in this defense, yeah. like you were saying, in this scheme. That's the most important spot on the defensive line, and you get a stud who, uh, I mean, All-American potential, first or second round potential, right? We're talking potential, sure. like we're For projecting sure. here, but Bro can play, and uh, you're going to see instant improvement and and getting into the backfield from that defensive line because he's going to be doubled constantly, and it's going to be awesome to watch. Just yep. imagine Bernard coming on those blitzes up up the seam with uh, you know one on one with a guard. Yeah, man. Like I mean, oh, oh, it's gonna be beautiful. Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. Um, so very very excited to see Apu play. He's probably gonna like every snap. I think I'm probably gonna be watching him just just because he's yes. that good. Um, and so we got Og- Ogbenaya is probably gonna back him up there at nose tackle. And then going out to the to the ends, I, I think we're probably gonna see T.J. Franklin and Gabe Hall start. Um, but like Josh Landry. Uh, Cole Max, you know, Cole Maxwell, they're going to come into, and it's just going to be, we're going to be three to six guys deep in this position this year. Hopefully yeah. if we stay healthy, so hopefully we can just rotate these guys in and, and, right. and get some good production from them. Yeah. That's kind of my hope for, for the defensive line. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Um, this, you know, we, we typically, you know, fans typically think of, de- of defensive ends as, you know, your pass rushers, but in this defense, that's really not what they are. No, they're um, not. They're not at all. You're really just, and so, and you're really not relying on these guys to get to the quarterback. And so I think what you were saying is true. If you've got five or six guys that can um, get off their blocks, make tackles, play the fundamentals, um, especially with Apu in the middle and the linebacking core that we're going to trot out there, you're going to be just fine. Yeah. We just got to clog up that middle, make them yep. hesitate. Just got to yep. clog up that middle. Yeah. All right, so let's look at linebackers here. Uh, you mentioned a little bit earlier the Mike linebacker is going to be Dylan Doyle. Um, solid. He, he, yeah, very solid. Just um, solid. He, he came on strong really at the end of the year last year. I think near uh, first half of the season he was maybe processing information a little bit too much, thinking too much. But I think near the end of the season he really started to read and react. And I know we all hated to see Bernard go out, but I think Bernard going out helped Doyle a lot. It did, and I think, but I think now that he's grown as a player in this defense, having Bernard back is going to benefit him even more. Oh yeah, because oh, yeah, he for sure. he is a little he leaves, especially when you compare him to the other linebackers, he leaves a lot to be desired in terms of athleticism, and and obviously like both. If I can just look at these other guys like Ashton Logan, Bernard, and then Petrie, who I know some would say he's a defensive back, some would say he's a linebacker. Mm-hmm. Obviously, are just through the roof athletically. Yeah. Oh, so man. so with Doyle, I mean. If if Bernard's out there, Doyle's going to benefit and get a lot of tackles. I mean, yeah, I think so, so. Yeah, yeah. His 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 pass protection isn't great. To your point of the athleticism, but you know, as a Mike linebacker, that doesn't have always have to be fantastic. He's, he is a good he is a good him. college football player. He's for a good sure, college sure. football player. For He's sure. not outstanding, but he is good. Yeah, for sure. So uh, you know, next to him, Terrell Bernard. I mean, we can't sing Terrell's praises enough. Pre-season, He's the best player in the Big Twelve. Oh yeah, it's oh. it's him and Spencer Rattler. I mean, okay. uh, like I, I mean, who else, dude? It's him and Spencer Rattler. Those so, are... do you think, uh, do you think Bernard's going to be defensive player of the year? Yes, if he stays okay. healthy. Yes, I think he's got for sure has the potential. I, Absolutely. I, I mean, he's incredible, dude. I mean, he's he's awesome. I know you know that, but I just really like I. He is so good, and it's he's so good. It's that he can do everything. He does everything. He he can blitz. Uh, he's great in coverage. Um, great and run, uh, run stop, you know, like the dude just, he is everything you want in a linebacker and, and has been since he was a freshman. I mean, I, I mean, since the day he stepped in for Clay Johnston, right. I, I mean, he's been the guy and I'm just saying like, you're saying, Oh, could he be defensive player? Of the year? Dude, he was second team all big 12 last year and missed half the season and missed half the season. Okay. Oh, like, that's a good point. That's a good. Point. He, he is the best player in the big 12. It's, it's, yeah. he, it's he and Spencer Rattler's league this year. Yeah. Yeah, we we really uh really need to sit back and enjoy this guy play. Watch Absolutely. this guy play cuz man, he's he's awesome. Um all right, so Jack linebacker. Remember you Jack linebacker guys is going to be that uh mainly in for run support, set the and set the edge. He's going to be on the short side of the field outside linebacker. Um so at the Jack we've got Ashton Logan, but I've I've been hearing a lot of uh um not rumors, but mutterings, I guess. I can't think of the word, but I've been hearing the mutterings about Garmin Randolph, um, a little bit better of a pass rusher than Logan will be. So I'm thinking we might see like a Logan in on first and second, maybe Randolph comes in on the passing downs, maybe something like that. But 
I think it's going to be, we're going to see Logan and Randolph in that jack position this year. And I don't know much about Randolph, so I won't pretend to, to but I, I like Ash. I've always liked Ashton Logan as a player, um, just a big physical football player. Um, and uh, yeah, he'll do a good job in that spot. You're going to miss uh, WBK. That guy, that guy was really, I, I think, him. I think we underestimate how good he was for us last year. He was, he was um, really good for us. But, he really was. But uh, so that's a, that's a position that might actually take a step back this year, but um, Ashton Logan's a good football player. So. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on to that star position. Jalen Petrie. Sa- same thing with Bernard, man. He is just, he, he's that guy. He, he's amazing. And you, you, you mentioned some people call him a linebacker. Some people call him a defensive back uh, on the roster. He's a safety. And you talk about NFL. That's, that's where he'll play him in the, the NFL. That's, that's where he's going to play in the he's NFL. He's a strong safety, safety in the NFL. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, I mean, things, same thing with Bernard. I mean, he's going to be on the first team, all Big 12, and we really just got to sit back and enjoy watching him play in the green and gold. And didn't it it's, feel last year, Travis, like Petrie, like it was like you blinked and he went from being a guy to being like the best player on the team. He was in the backfield like every play. I just like coming in, I don't, and, and maybe I just need to go back and like, look at it i don't feel like last year going into the season like we knew petrie could play but i don't think anybody was like he's all big 12 like just this quarterback wrecker interception machine like like last year the the rise that he had last year was something else i mean really 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 special so it was big time yeah you've got just again i mean and we'll talk about the secondary in a minute but between between your you think the linebackers are loaded between Apu, Bernard, Petrie, and then Tejada behind, you have got four just uber talented players. We um, we have a pro at every level of the defense. Yeah, beyond defensive line linebacker, right. defensive back, we have a pro at every level. That's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, yeah, and and it's beyond I think what Baylor's had in terms of defensive talent. I agree. Maybe ever, at least in my lifetime. That right? 2019 team was pretty awesome defensively. And I think this team is going to give them a run for their money talent wise. That 20, well, and that 2019 was awesome. And three of those four guys that his name were on it. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Defensive backs, uh, cornerback. I mean, Raleigh Tejada. I don't know how he got left off of um, Big 12 teams last year. Me neither. Um, an absolutely outstanding year last year. Like, check this out. He allowed under 35 yards in coverage in eight of his nine starts. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That's and the game, the game that he they had over 35 yards was the Oklahoma State game where we had we're missing yeah, half our team yeah. and half our coaching staff. That was a so yeah. I, I mean, Raleigh Tejada is he's he an is, island. He's great. He is an island. He is an island. He takes then, half the field away. He, oh man, I, he, I mean, he's been so, his praises have been undersung all, all off season. I am so high on Raleigh Tejada. And I wonder if that's part of why he didn't like get as much of the media recognition as he probably deserves is like, he doesn't just rack up numbers because he's not getting any, inter- like he doesn't get a lot of interceptions. they don't throw to him. Right. But that's, that's what's <laughs> so funny about the cornerback position, right? Is like the fact that he is not getting a lot of tackles and interceptions because they're constantly going away from him is the credit to him, right? Like he is, it's Tejada Island, man. I mean, that's yep. what it is. Yep. And yeah, glad we got him back. I really thought he might jump last Me too. year. So. Me too. Um, and then on that, that other side, Kalen Barnes um, played like last year, played about half the year with the cast. He had an interception with the cast. Um, but now he's going to be third year in a starting role. He's got the speed. I mean, he's, he's going to be, he's going to be great. He's going to be great. And then we got Mark Milton's going to rotate in as well. Um, all right. So safeties, safety, we got, I mean, I think we're four deep at safety. I really do. Um, but you know, start starting the year, we're going to see Christian Morgan and JT Woods in in the safety. And then, you know, McVeigh and Devin Neal, I I think are going to see the field too. Um, just depending on what happens, but Christian Morgan was tied third in the big 12 in interceptions. Um, and then ended the season with three consecutive games with, with an interception. And then JT Woods, uh, honorable mention last year, um, but I just, I just expect Morgan and Woods to have a really, really good year. And I think Devin Neal might end up being better than both of them down the road. I think you, Devin you, Neal, you might be right. I think Devin Neal is very, very talented. And, uh, so yeah, you're right. You've got good depth. Um, 
The other thing, and I don't have a list in front of me. I wish I wish I did. Uh, you've got some freshmen and sophomores who aren't on this too deep, um, who are, who are also very good. There's a lot of depth coming mm-hmm. in in the secondary. A lot of young depth in the secondary. Randall Johnson. Right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. There's a lot Name of young depth in the secondary sure. that that needs to get developed. Um, so you're you're in a good spot. I mean, this is going to be another top two or three defense in the Big Twelve. Easy. I mean, no question. Um, and, and really as if we, as we start talking about, you know, maybe potential for the season in terms of wins and losses, this defense, just like the last two or three, four years, this defense is going to be what gives you the potential to win a lot of games. Yeah. hundred percent, a hundred percent. We just need an average output from the offense. Like literally we need an average offense to help. You mean, you mean literally anything better than last year? (laughs) <laughs> literally if we can average more than 90 yards rushing a game dear god <laughs> my goodness my goodness um wait there there's a there's depth chart for you guys um you want to talk special teams yeah let's yeah we can talk special teams here i just quick. i um, i think that's a strength is the only i mean i bring it up if 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 football really is three phases i think baylor's got two or three on lock because i think the special teams is a strength you've got um all experience between, um, you know, even down to your long snappers, you've got senior experience. And so, uh, you know, Isaac Powers, great. John, you've got two kickers that can boot it yep. between Mayers and uh, Rauschenberg. Rauschenberg. And then uh, you, you've got, on this team, you've got about 30 guys that could return kicks dynamically. But between Estrada and Ebner and Thornton and Gleason and Fleeks, who are kind of the guys listed here, uh, I mean, I think special teams could be, you know – Again, going back to 2019, how many times were special teams such a pivotal part of those close wins? Every game. Um, yeah, man. Every game. So if it really is three phases, I think this depth chart for the special teams makes you happy too. For sure, for sure. Because Ebner's a Big 12 special teams player of the year preseason. So, hey. Big thanks to Scotty again for joining me. I really enjoyed that and uh, appreciated you being here for my uh, my first time hosting. Please bear with me. Guys, I'm really excited about the season. Hopefully we can put out something a little better than what we did last year. I'm very hopeful. Um, and look out uh, this week. I'm going to have another episode dropping. It's going to feature Paul Catalina of Sikkim 365 Radio. And also Scotty is going to join me again. We're going to go through that Baylor football schedule and pick games and give you guys kind of a floor and a uh, ceiling of what we expect. So look out for that later in the week, and sick and bears. The Please Bear With Me podcast was created by Scotty Swingler, is hosted and produced by Travis Corley, in affiliation with 247 Sports and Bears Illustrated. <laughs>